Welcome to the Imposter Syndrome Club. My name is Jessamy G. I'm joined as always by my beautiful co-host, Miss Alice Edie. Hi. Hi. Now we're trying something a little bit different this week because we do have a beautiful guest with us, but it's not your standard interview episode. So we are joined today by my good friend, Beck. Hi, Beck. Hello. Hello. Thanks for having me. It is a pleasure. So little bit of background here. So Beck and I were bestest buddies. We went to high school together from about, what do you reckon, Beck? 13 through 17, something like yeah, that? Yeah, about that. Thick as, thick as thieves, thick I would as say. Thick as thieves yeah. we were. Um, and then, you know, as as friendships do after school, we'd sort of, I think we tried to catch up a little bit and then things just, you know, as they happen, people grow apart, lives were different. Um, but we actually reconnected during lockdown and then really kind of because of this podcast, ended up connecting further and realised that you live 600 metres away. (laughs) (laughs) So it was very easy to catch up. And we thought given the fact that we talk about friendship a lot on this podcast, particularly, you know, friends that come and go and dynamics of, of that and changes over time, that it would be really fun to get you to come on and just have a fucking chat about friendship. I love that. Thank you. (laughs) I love it as well because I think that in previous interviews, often it's it's us finding someone who's, we're looking at kind of like a thing that they've done in the world, but it's important to recognize that friendship is also a thing that matters. It has currency. It's not just someone's job or career that fucking matters. Like those are not the only achievements. Like friendship is important and interesting and yeah, worth unpicking and I'm, I'm excited. Yeah, yeah, I'm excited. So this is, we're thinking of this more as like a one of the episodes with just us plus plus one. So you're an honorary um, imposter host today, Beck. I like that. I was slightly panicked that instead of reading my um, work bio, you'd make me read out my Facebook profile or something <laughs> oh, like hideous and cringeworthy <laughs> like that. Like, Why are you be my telling friend? me this genius idea now, Beck? <laughs> Is this? Where's my phone? Was that a thing in MySpace profiles? You actually wrote like a little bio, a little. I'm sure it was in MySpace. You had a little paragraph. Yeah. Oh my god, it would be so cringeworthy. Until very recently, MySpace pages were still like searchable. Like I reckon I found my MySpace page like only a year or two ago, and I was telling someone this the other day, and I was like, "Like, look, I'll be able to find it," and then I couldn't. But it was. Pretty awful. (laughs) I remember, I literally remember, this is so cringy, but there was this guy who was maybe like four years older than me at the time. So I would have been like, I don't know, 17, 18, and he was early 20s, this like photographer guy who was so cool in the Johannesburg kind of like punk rock scene at the time. And I literally modeled my entire MySpace page on his page. Like we weren't friends, so he didn't fucking know me and he didn't care. And I literally just went and I was like, okay, cool. His his profile picture is like black and white. That's really cool. That's really cool. <laughs> <laughs> do you remember? Because he had like a song that would play when you went to the page. Right? Oh, do you remember I, what your song no, was? No, I never got as far as the song thing. He probably didn't have a song. So okay. I was like, <laughs> <laughs> do you remember that? I, I never had a MySpace. Like I don't think. Oh, look at you. Yeah, too cool for MySpace. Too cool. What? I remember like when Facebook came out, there was a group of my friends who were all traveling. It was early 20s and they were all picking up and going to Europe for, you know, as everyone does for a trip. And they were like, yeah, yeah, you've got to get on Facebook because that's how that's how you're going to know about where we're going and what we're doing. I was like, no, just send me the picture. 
hashes. I don't want to go on this platform. Anyway, and they bullied me into it and and here I am still oh. hashtagging. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was a very late joiner to Facebook too actually and I remember my friend Nick was, I'm like, no, he's like, you got to do it and he's like, you know, this person like, po- remember pokes? Like oh, poked oh, me on Facebook. Yes. I'm like, what the fuck does that mean, Nick? I don't want right. anything to do with your weird <laughs> poking, pokes. confusing platform thing. I will just stay with what my MySpace. Thank you very much. <laughs> and we're here like as we record, Elon Musk has bought Twitter and the entire like social media, just like the world is collapsing in that whole kind of weird ecosystem. And yeah, that was back pokes. It was yeah. so much simpler. <laughs> now it's all like fortune and conspiracy theories <laughs> and the fucking far right. <laughs> it's the end of the world. You ever have um, saying to someone one day, like, would you rather have to share every single Facebook memory that comes up or walk slowly into the ocean? <laughs> <laughs> The ocean. Every time the everyone ocean. looks at the ocean. Yes. <laughs> it's so like particularly remember when the um the, the like prefix thing was like Jessamy is blah blah blah. So we've also got all these statuses oh, that don't make sense. Because wow. it's like feeling, feeling hungry. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, or just I don't know, just like and like posting song lyrics and shit like that. Oh my like, god. So, and I, and this was like, so I it was definitely post-school. I think I'd moved out of home. So I was definitely like at least 20 by the time I had a Facebook account. So imagine if we had it as teenagers. That would, I just, I thank my lucky stars. Yeah. Like there are very few even photos of me at that age and they are, not great. <laughs> yeah. You can always tell by the eyebrows. Like that's yeah. how you can date something oh, to the early yes. 2000s. It's an, it's an eyebrow-based choice there. That's so true. Yeah. It does terrify me. Like it's having kids. It just, it's, it, so I have two two boys and it terrifies me. The, the social media social thing? Media. Oh, it's like it the eyebrow just, thing. Oh, the eyebrows. <laughs> 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 if they ever find those photos, it's terrifying. No, but it just, yeah, it does just terrify me that, the world now and the social media and having to navigate kids through that world is I'm very grateful we didn't do it because god the notes that we passed in yeah. class were embarrassing enough but th- them being public on a platform yeah forevermore so how like how old are they again uh, so I have two boys they are five and eight okay yeah. are, are they, they do they sorry oh excuse, are they on tiktok is yeah. that <laughs> No, not yet. Not Is that, yet. Am I relevant with not that question? Yet. <laughs> You're so useful, Alice. You know me. <laughs> really the voice of a generation here. <laughs> so they're not yet. That's like too, that's too young for TikTok. Yeah, too too young. Yeah, they don't they don't have phones, so it's kind of a, a limiter. But What's, they do have like iPads and there's this new thing. I don't know. I didn't even know it was a thing. There's YouTube Shorts. So they watch oh. YouTube clips um, on the iPad and there's YouTube shorts, which is effectively reels or TikTok. So it's just the same little micro grabs that you content that you flick through and it feeds you through the algorithm based on what you click on. And it's, yeah, even that's terrifying enough. Oh, so it's basically the TikTok. same. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, yes, yes maybe slightly TikTok, more regulated. Yeah. <laughs> and so do, do, what age do kids get phones these days? Uh, I I don't know. I feel like I am learning as I go. But they, yeah. if if you ask my eight year old, it's now. Kids get phones yeah. now because he's desperate for one. But um, 
No, I think like once you once they start going out on their own, I think that's probably the trigger for me. Like if they're having to yeah. go to, you know, down the street to basketball training on their own or um, you know, catching up with mates mm. in a park or something or walking to walking riding to school on their own, I think having it having something as that safety element I think would be the trigger, not the driver of just wanting a TikTok account. Yeah. Or something, <laughs> you know. When did you get a phone? Do you remember? Oh, you know, I think it was probably year eight. I don't remember. No, Somewhere I reckon that would there. have been too early. Year eight or year nine? So was that 15 maybe? Yeah. Maybe yeah, 15? Like um, yeah. I reckon possibly even later because I think I got mine. We've spoken about my very cool Philip Savvy on this podcast <laughs> before. <laughs> <laughs> Friend of the pod. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Not to brag again but... Um, <laughs> But I reckon Savvy. I was in <laughs> it's such a piece of shit. I reckon I was in year 10. Yeah, I think I, thinking I know, about yeah, it. It was pretty early compared to like I reckon still at least half of people didn't have yeah. them. I did yeah. actually. So I borrow, I was still borrowing my mum's Nokia, like the, the, what was it, 5210? Yeah, what they were called. Yes, it was bright yellow. Um, Oh, my God, I remember that. Remember that? My mum's bright yellow Nokia. It's like this is so embarrassing. Um, And I was still borrowing that actually when I first met my ex at Chase's nightclub. Also very relevant. We yeah. just spoke about <laughs> underage chases very recently. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah. yeah. For the non-Australians, like what's it? Just paint a picture of what it what chases. Oh. Is this like a are there pool tables involved? No, because I, no, no. So this is it's like a, a, a very, very shit nightclub um on Chapel Street mm. that for most of the year is just a shit nightclub, but during school holidays on a Tuesday night, they would run these underage events. Oh, okay. Yeah. So it was, yeah, just like during, that's right, isn't it? Yeah. Just during the holidays. Yeah. So, yeah, it's like a nightclub. So you had like the big like stage area downstairs where I guess they had a DJ and like competitions and stuff. I, what kind I of remember. competitions were you watching at Chase's? I don't know. Well, was there? Beck, it- I don't know if you remember, <laughs> but my boyfriend of about three weeks <laughs> oh my God. won the modelling competition. Oh, did he? <laughs> he was so oh. hot and so dumb. <laughs> he was. He's somewhere. He's he's a massive fan of the podcast, yeah. and he just had his heart fucking ripped out of his rib cage right now. I was definitely way too weird for him, mm. <laughs> and I, so based on that, I do not oh. think that there is a world in which he is listening to this podcast right now. That was my little like foray into like maybe I could date like a normal guy. Yeah. I love it's like no. it's like the art girl dating the jock. Yeah. We've all seen the movie. Yeah. yeah. He um I'm trying to work out whether this is like doing the accent is okay or not. Uh, I feel like you're gonna say no. No, it's no. But it's relevant to the story. No, it's still no. <laughs> right. Well, you're missing out on a great story, guys. Yeah. <laughs> like, if you have to ask, the answer is no. Okay, so yeah. I wanna know about this like circling back to the actual introduction of where we kicked off. So you guys yeah. have this high school friendship, you grow apart, like drift apart over uni and life after that, mm-hmm. you rediscover each other 
during lockdown, what does it feel like? Like in what ways, in what ways is the old friendship a connector? And in what ways is the space the gift? Ooh, do you want to answer that? Uh, yeah, I, do, I, I don't know if I have an answer, but I think for me, my experience, we caught up. I can't even remember why we connected during lockdown in, to start with. but And we went for a walk because there was nothing else to do but go mm. for a walk. So I think Jessamy went for a run to my house and then I joined her for a more... Um, Evenly paced wall. Like, <laughs> Classic like, Jessamy yeah. bullshit. <laughs> yeah. She had already done her full workout by the time she got to me. Um, but I remember feeling like there's there's things that feel like there is no time past. Like there's no awkwardness or nervousness or what are we going to talk about? But at the same time, I think we ha- had gone down such different paths that there is that sort of jarring. I don't really know much about your life now. Like I know I know you and I feel like I know you at your core, but I don't really know much about you now as a person. And and that nervousness of is what I think I know about her, is she still that? Is it still are we still gonna have that connection or 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 has it gone too far? Have we drifted apart too much? I think that was yeah. sort of that first initial experience for me. And it was like it was great. It, it was fine. Like it feels like no time has passed. Like it's yeah, it was really good. Yeah, I feel yeah, feel the same way. And the <clears throat> the way that we because re- I do remember how we ended up reconnecting is that I'd noticed that you'd changed your name back to your maiden That's name right. on social media. And we hadn't spoken for years, I guess, probably. And I just decided because I've got nothing else going on in my life. I'm like, oh, maybe I'll just send her a message and say, Hey, That's I noticed right. this. I hope you're oh, okay. That, that is. So yeah. Yeah. And that's how that whole, that all that started. And then realised you, know, you were living in Mooney Ponds mm, at the time, mm-hmm. so not far away. Mm-hmm. Running distance, obviously. <laughs> <laughs> Just a good 20 case. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, but I think because we have, you know, sort of, and not for a long time, but there were times sort of like after school where we'd catch up or see each other mm. at someone's birthday or something. And it always struck me how, easy it was going back to that, like sort of that feeling of picking up where you left off. And I was also a little bit nervous for exactly the same sort of reasons. Like, well, like, will that thing still be there? Like, I don't know, yeah, really anything about your life now other than where you live because I have got to go there. (laughs) (laughs) Not not inside though. (laughs) (laughs) It's just just like in the house. (laughs) Um, But I think one thing like... Probably when, if I think back to like growing up with you and being a kid with you, one of the things that sticks out the most in my memory is silliness, <laughs> like is just being really, really silly together, mm. which is my favourite thing in the world. And I think there's a little bit of me that's like, I hope she's still a big silly Billy. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> because I am a big silly Billy and, yeah. and, uh, and you are, so great. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. But it's fun, like you, when, so we, we had a couple of catch-ups and then I think really that the night for me that was like, like wow, like there is something so special between us was when you came to my birthday and that was only six months ago. So, um, and I suppose just backtracking, I separated from a long-term relationship and marriage at at just pre-COVID at the end of 2019. So at that point that we had caught up, I think 
I'm still figuring out who I am, like who am I now in this? And it was all still a a muddled mess and I feel now kind of three years on, it's really only now that I feel like, yeah, uh, okay, like I think I've landed. I think the dust has settled and now it's just that kind of being able to get find your way out of the fog and and the shit and now it's about the fun now it's about finding who I am again and what Mm. I want to do and being able to focus on that and I think that birthday you came to um and you said that exact thing to me you said to me about you know that I just remember you being silly and I like I would never describe myself as that that like I was so like like yeah yeah like that is that is that is me that was me that still is me but just kind of I think one of the things I'm enjoying about this friendship is figuring out who I used to be before I met my my now ex-partner, who I was then, what that kind of morphed into being and who I thought mm-hmm. I wanted to be and who I thought I was or where I was going and then that that took a very sharp turn. <laughs> like, took yeah. a very sharp turn and now it's sort of like, well, what what are the parts of me that maybe I lost along the way that I I want to reconnect with or I want to yeah. explore and see if that's still relevant to me and like that has been the the joy of that particularly that night I think that particularly that night was that joy of finding something that's like I am that I like I was so silly when did I become so serious and so focused on on goals and achievements and busyness of life that I kind of lost that ability to just like be be silly like you know it's but yeah that night I think was a turner for me in the friendship and I, I remember saying to my my now partner like I, I hope she liked me I mean I really had a <laughs> we did really the, had a great time yeah, yeah. I was like and then you messaged me a couple of days I'm like she likes me yes <laughs> it was the like the hungover morning message of like yes <laughs> It's all head. How about you? It is, it's such a specific mood that like that night after you meet a friend who you've got like a big friend crush on and yep. then the morning afterwards you're like, was that great? Or did I get way too excited? Yeah. Like, did yeah. I just talk at them like at, at a super high pitch yes. for way too long? I'm like, is this cool? Like did that... Was that good for you? That was really good for me, but was it good for you? And if there's one thing we've learned about me on this podcast, it's that I have zero chill. Thank God I'm not in the dating pool at the moment because I would. everyone would just think I was crazy because I'd be like, love you. <laughs> so pretty much, I think I do this almost every time you're over, Alice. Like as soon as someone leaves my house, I will send them a message to be like, love I you, love, have the best time. I honestly love it so much. I get such a vulnerability hangover when I hang out with friends in that way. Like I, yeah. I, it's the best time and then I leave and I'm like, they fucking hate me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what was that? So yeah, I love your follow. It's like an aftercare, aftercare, after sex. Yeah. <laughs> but it's also it's for me, so I can validate yeah, yeah. it for me. Like, <laughs> I love you. Do you love me? We would love each We're other. We good. Still. We're good. Great, 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 great. Cool, 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 cool. Uh, <laughs> it's interesting hearing you guys speak about you the the kind of finding an old version of yourself through someone else because it's almost like it's like backing up your computer at different dates and then Mm. you get to go back you you get to travel back 10 years and see what was on your desktop at that time or kind of rediscover stuff and I think it's it's really nice speaking about that because we often acknowledge the flip side of that which is that often people in long-term relationships and that relationship can be dating someone it can be friendship but 
that feeling of sometimes being trapped in an older version of yourself because that's how people know you. But there is that flip side of, yeah, you also get to kind of check in with an older timestamp and be like, oh, fuck yeah. How did I forget that person? Like she's been here the whole time, but I just just forgot her slowly. Yeah, that's a really interesting take on it. And I guess that's the answer to your original question about like what's the the gift of the space. Mm, mm. That's probably part of it too. So it's not that, you know, when you've got friends that you've known for ages or if you like sort of move in a group of friends, then you might get that sort of like, oh, well, this is who I, mm. this is my identity mm. as it relates to these people and feel sort of stuck in those things. Um, but when it when there's been that space, then you just, yeah, like you just get to check back in on that yeah. chapter and like compare notes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and you get to also, it's a thing I've been thinking about recently and I'd be really interested, Beck, in hearing your take now being in a new relationship after divorce, new after divorce, after COVID, like all of this mm. newness, falling in love, <clears throat> excuse me, falling in love again, whether it's with a friend, whether it's with a partner, but how much falling in love is is the feeling of finding parts of yourself again with someone. And that often, because I was thinking about this the other day and I was like, do you love, I mean, you love the person, but you're also loving the pieces of you that that person brings out. Yeah. And you get, and and that feeling is amazing. Like enjoying yourself is an amazing, amazing feeling. Yeah. I think you're totally right and I think it, there, there is such an element of that with reconnecting with Jess and also then with my new partner and I think I think for a long time I defined myself on, on the things that I wasn't so I'm, I'm not the sporty person, I'm not this person, I'm not that person that it's like well what am I? If I'm not all these things then what is it that I am? And I think that's been, I think it's now it's trying to find those friendships and those connections and those relationships that encourage that and that bring that out as opposed to where I was and what I was in and and partly, you know, that's all, a lot of that is in my own mindset and, and the way that I had kind of grown up and trained myself to be and it's what are those things now that I, I want to be or that I can be or that I want to aspire to be and then the beautiful things that other people see in you, like, you know, are we, I think it was... um. My partner now, he, he, he said, oh, so you, like I said, oh, he said, did you ever play any instruments? I said, yeah, yeah, I played the piano growing up. And he's like, oh, so you were a penist? And I'm like, oh, no, no, it wasn't. Definitely not. No, I was terrible, terrible at it. It was sort of that default, that default yeah. phrase. And um, and because of the, the kids, they've got a little toy piano and, and they were getting quite keen and dabbling in it. And he encouraged me to get a keyboard and a keyboard my dad bless him collector of everything still had all my old sheet music Aww. in the cupboard and you know I don't think I've touched the keys for oh, I don't know I played when I was early teens so it'd be you know over 20 years and it's just those things that you just pick up and it's like maybe I am that maybe I I do enjoy and it doesn't I don't need to be great at it but if I'm getting some enjoyment out of it and it's bringing some music in the house and the kids are liking that yeah, fuck yeah, maybe I am a penis. Yeah. I don't know. Yes. Like, you know, it's just, but it's like finding those friendships and those relationships that tease that stuff out of you and mm. maybe make you, make you see yourself in a, in a different way as opposed to where you've been for the past, you know, 10, 20, however long you've been in this relationship, whether that's with your current standing group of friends or, you know, a partner. It's, I think, having those people that can help you explore these elements is like, 
it's yeah, it's a real it's a blessing. It's really nice. Yeah. 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 Hard agree. Yeah. <laughs> and they're not, you know, yeah. it's um sometimes you don't you you don't know what you don't know, right? Like I mm. think sometimes you I think and I've definitely gone through periods of my life where the people that I was spending the most time with were definitely not the best influences on me. And I don't mean in like in the high school way of like, they made me smoke cigarettes, mum. <laughs> <laughs> but just now with the ability to um, to com- compare or the contrast of that to being around people who are what, who are interested in celebrating all of the things. And when I said, like, these are all really different types of people too. It's not like, oh, like, we're all people who play piano and isn't that great that we get together and celebrate (laughs) playing piano. Just people who are curious and supportive Mm -hmm. and non-judgmental. You don't necessarily, if you haven't had friends that are like that or many friends that are like that, sometimes you don't necessarily know that that's what's missing. And I've definitely, when I was younger, Mm. gone through periods of time where it was fine. Like there was nothing evil or bad about these people. But I realise now the contrast of that to the relationships I have now is um, vast. Yeah. Yeah. I have, this has made me realize like half a theory but I'm gonna I'm it's happening in real time (laughs) out loud so I don't know how much sense this is gonna make but I was thinking about that is 100% true but also there's another side to that where I know some of my earlier friendships when I was younger I feel like we got stuck in a holding pattern of of a particular way of being with each other because I think that if I think back to say my high school friends who are beautiful women and I have so much respect for all of us, I think that there was a point at which we became, I think we were very good for each other in high school and then I think we became very bad for each other and I think we had to just drift apart, find our own lives and come back and I think we're very good for each other again. But but almost to kind of to step back and realise that the people that you are growing up with you're also learning how to be friends together. So it's not as mm. if like no one's mm. being a bad guy and like no one's being a dick. That's right. You actually don't have the skill yet of how to be a good friend. So you're trying your best, but also you're a group of four or five of you or whatever the number, all trying your best. And they are in different friendship groups. You're going to get different stuff right, but you're also going to get different stuff wrong. And there's no one who knows better yet because your world is so small. So those patterns kind of get entrenched <sighs> into that friendship and like baked into that friendship. And I think like you do need, uni comes and you need to expand your world and you need to go into different friend relationships and realize that doesn't fucking fly. Like I definitely yeah. know there are there are ways in which I was a friend that were not good at all. And that wasn't me being a bad person. That was just, I hadn't learned that that wasn't okay. Yeah. Because in that original dynamic, it was just part of the dynamic, if that made sense. And then you come back and you're like, okay, cool. I'm going to behave myself better now. Yeah. <laughs> I think you're spot on. Yeah. And it, yeah, it's just a matter of, of learning over time, not necessarily yeah. that they're the wrong people to be around yeah. even. And also like when you're young, you're so fucking wrapped up in yourself. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> the idea of learning how to be a good friend. You're like, but everyone's meant to be being a good friend to me. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'm the centre of the yeah. universe. Yeah. Yeah. All right, that's it. That's yeah. all I got. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's a good theory. I like it. I like it. Um, 
I think it's like, and it ties so much into identity. And I've definitely had a few of these sort of points in my life where I've had what feels like an identity crisis where sort of a big event happens and it feels, you know, a breakup, a death, a move, a new job, I don't know, whatever the thing is. And suddenly you go, everything has just turned to dust (laughs) around me. What, what do I do now? Like, where do I find that thing? Was there, do you remember like a turning point and all of these nice things that you're talking about and discovering these things for like a turning point, whether it be mindset or um, uh, action or a different form of relationship that sort of helped steady that ship a little bit and try and find those mm. elements of identity again? A lot of therapy. Um, yeah, nice, nice. <laughs> nice. Great take, answer. Take one. <laughs> um, no, I think just... Um, Oh, it's such a good question because I don't, I don't think, I don't think there's a point in which I was like, aha, like I've got yeah. it figured out. I think, um, I think it was more about letting go of everything that I thought that there was or that I thought was my limits or or where I was going, and and that was a very slow process, and it was sort of in in um, stages, I suppose, or in sections of my life, like I. I changed jobs and that was a big leap for me because I had always thought this was kind of at the at the peak. I was at the peak. I was in a great position at the time. Um, I really loved what I did. I loved the people that I worked with. Um, but making that conscious jump despite of all that to move somewhere else. Was this after your divorce? Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. And I think because partly I I was in that job and I moved to that job and that was all part of my my marriage, I suppose, because we did that mm. journey together and, um, you know, and when he was my husband at the time, he was really supportive of that and and so that still felt like a part of me that was part of us or yeah. part of that marriage and, um, you know, so there's uh, taking that leap to the new job was one element of that and and that was terrifying. I think that's the biggest jump, jump in job I've ever done, come sort of completely out of my depth in, into something that I didn't have a lot of experience in or an industry um, I didn't have a lot of experience in um, and, and learning to swim within that and learning to kind of find myself in that. And I think that was a that was one element of it. Um, and then there's a, everything else that comes with that. You know, I said, I've, I've, like, I've never defined myself as being a sporty person, but now I'm just really fucking into the gym. Like, it's just, why, why can't I be that person? I don't need to be winning the gold ribbon at the sports carnival, but, like, I can still enjoy and, and get satisfaction out of so that. Isn't it so fucking good to change? Yeah. Like, yeah. isn't it the best <laughs> feeling when yeah. you're just like, oh, yeah, I can do whatever the fuck I want. Yeah. Like, it's yeah. fine. Yeah. Yeah. And it's like, and may, maybe I will suck at it. Like, maybe I will fail. Like, I um, I think I, I told half my friends I was going kayaking um, in a recent trip to Palm Cove and, like, if anyone who knows me, I am severely uncoordinated. <laughs> like, I am athletically challenged, but I'll give it a red hot go. And I went kayaking with my partner now and we um, failed miserably, like, <laughs> miserably um, for the good first 20 minutes. So we were kayaking out um, to an island on a tour and... We were going so badly in a zigzag. We just couldn't, <laughs> it was a dual kayak and we just couldn't kayak in a straight direction and everyone else was kayaking straight and it's that, oh, this is, the, we are either going to hate each other at the end of this or laugh hysterically. Mm. It could go either way. Um, and it was so bad that the tour guide came and put us on a toe and he said, <laughs> I... <laughs> 
success. Yeah. He's like, I've never seen anyone zigzag as badly as you two. Um, I'm just going to have to tell you because we were close to a pier and they, there was a danger of us getting, I'm assuming, entangled in fishing lines. I don't know. And the locals on the pier were laughing and waving at us. It was like, <laughs> it was horrific. Um, but anyway, it turns out it was the error of the kayak, fortunately. Oh, really? <laughs> <laughs> well, sure. Well, that's what we're running uh-huh. uh-huh. <laughs> Do you get that in writing, did you, Beck? <laughs> well, when we got to the destination, we swap, We did swap kayaks with a couple who were more experienced than us um, and they managed it fine, the kayak that we were in. But they did say it was very, like, a, it was a hypersensitive kayak. Um, <laughs> was, sorry, a hypersensitive <laughs> kayak. I'm like, don't say that and think we're just going to. Yeah, yeah, sure. Mm-hmm. The kayak yeah. has big feelings. <laughs> <laughs> the kayak is really actually going to be a guest on the podcast next week. <laughs> It was definitely the kayak. It was definitely the kayak. And then we were fine. The trip back, we were fine. Um, And I can't remember where we were going with this conversation, but I think just that like trying new things and it's just that. And I was like, yeah, I fucking did it. I did that and I kayaked and it was great and it was fine and nothing bad happened. And, yeah, we kind of sucked for the good first half of the tour. But the second half was amazing and and it doesn't matter. It doesn't, none of that matters. You're not going to the Olympics. Like it literally, the stakes are zero. (laughs) Depends on the kayak. I mean, I respect your optimism. (laughs) I've known you for an hour and a half. (laughs) I love it. But it's that domino effect, isn't it? Like when you you do one thing, you're like, huh, the world didn't end. Mm -hmm. And I don't also have to be like, I am a sporty person now or I am a kayaker now. It's, It's fine to just like try stuff mm, yeah. and you're not um not allowed to do something just because it's not something you've identified as part of your personality previously yeah a hundred percent agree um yeah try here's to try new things yeah. i'm all for it yeah. yeah watch out for me and what's the next olympics 2026 <laughs> yeah i'll be there <laughs> sure <laughs> are there um what are the traits if any jump to mind that your new partner like that you've noticed in yourself since your new partner or kind of rediscovered, like the way you're saying, so with you two reconnecting, you found the silliness again and it wasn't new silliness. Like it was, it was latent silliness. It's been there the whole time. It just hasn't had, you haven't given it any food, but were there anything that, that jumps to mind? Um, I, yeah, I think just, um, like learning to have fun in what you in what mm. you're doing, which probably links back to that whole silliness element. But I think, particularly with having kids and a family, like getting bogged down in the doing, and everything that has to be done, and not stopping and actually playing with them. I think one of the things that yeah. is like, and I think Jess, you know, you've met him. Like one of the things that's big so, fan. Yeah. <laughs> One of the things that is so great about him is he is so playful and he's got such a great energy and he brings that to everything he does as a parent and kind of hearing him talk about how he spends his day with his kids versus what, you know, I am used to doing and just kind of doing the doing the dishes and the chores and the washing and the this while the kids go off and do something else. Like I think that's been something that's been so nice to be kind of look at the way that he parents and, um, you know, take inspiration from that 
for myself. Mm. But then that spills over into how we are together, you know. So it's about like we spend so many nights playing Uno. It's ridiculous. And Stop yeah. it. <laughs> it's the most adorable thing I've ever heard. And gin rummy, I now I'm now a, a gin rummy player, expert pro. Um, <laughs> um, I don't is that what it's called? Didn't have a um, <laughs> hypersensitive deck of cards, did you? <laughs> Depends if I win or not. <laughs> um, yeah, but I think it's that like discovering that fun. Like it doesn't mm. need to be serious all the time. It doesn't need to be focused on task. It can just be doing something because it's just fun and like let's not worry about mm. anything else and let's sit down and spend, oh, actually I don't know if I call doing Lego fun. It can be really tedious and frustrating but the end result is always good. But it's just, just like don't worry about anything else. Let's just sit down mm. and play in this moment and enjoy what we're doing. Like, yeah. Yeah, yeah something around being present. Yeah, yeah, which I think, and I think, Alice, you asked me earlier about um, like co-parenting versus uh, parenting, you know, as a as a couple or the parents of the children. And I think with co-parenting, it is it's, it's all or nothing. So yeah. you've got that point in time where it's just you and the kids, and and you're a hundred percent on with you know pretty minimal relief, and how intensive that is. But then there is also the nothing where you get time to recharge, mm. and that takes a lot of time to learn to enjoy that and not feel guilty about that mm. period. There's a lot of, I think, there's a lot of guilt associated with not being around your kids. Yeah. And take that, there's nothing but time that can help you kind of adapt and learn that you need this downtime in order to recharge. Um, but because you're in that, the all, it's just enjoying. When you're, mm. in, when you're in the all, just enjoy it because you do have the downtime where you can recharge. What is your, like how many days, is it flexible or do you do like a week each or what's the we're, kind of time frame that you get? We're like a 50-50 split. So it's a it's a week on, a week, a, a week, on, a week yeah. off. I yeah. would imagine that would be quite a gear change if you've had seven days of being full on parent and then you hand them over and you've gone from like zero to a hundred and now you've got to go from a hundred to yeah. zero again and kind of be like, okay, oh. All right. Yeah. yeah. And it's like it's everything it just takes it takes time. Like I'm three years on mm. now. And I think if you had have asked me that like six months into separation, it was just a chaotic mess. But now it's just a rhythm and the, the kids have been great and um the co-parenting is relatively easy and stress-free and mm. flexible. But this is I am in no way comparing these two things. I need to set up quite a few caveats <laughs> what I'm about to say. <laughs> I am in no way comparing these experiences. I'm just but I also you co have a dog. dog. <laughs> Just say it, Alice. You co parent a dog. <laughs> I wasn't even going to say that. I do co parent a dog. <laughs> I do co parent a dog. <laughs> That's not what I was going to say. <laughs> I was going to say, as a freelancer, there is a sense that with work, not having, it's, it is different because you don't have as much control over when work comes in or not, but there is, it's, there's a seasonality to it. And it's, mm. it has been learning to trust the quiet time and be okay with not like December and January 1st is super quiet. You can spend those two months freaking out about it being quiet, trying to generate work that is not there, trying to fix things that aren't broken or you can kind of like lean in and enjoy the quiet because you know that the shit will hit the fan. Like it's going to pick up and it's going to be chaos again. So again, like it's a totally different setup, but just that sense of, of like 
it takes practice to trust the quiet and to and to be okay with relaxing knowing that the work will still come and like for you I would imagine like being okay to trust the quiet week because your parenting will have to kick on and like double speed the week afterwards yeah no it's a, it is exact like it is exactly that feeling I think just kind of getting used to it and not trying to not trying to unnecessarily fill it because it exactly. is empty it's yeah. like it's, it's okay that 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 that's that time mm. it's okay that you take that time for yourself or take the time to take a break or mm. you know whatever it is take time out from walking the dog from you <laughs> did I mention I co-parent a dog <laughs> she's so emotionally healthy guys not, not to brag well? not to brag but nailing it how's her grades <laughs> doing okay at school no, I just want her to be I don't want her to be like an A plus I just want her to get solid C's like the whole way Jeez. through puppy school I don't <laughs> I don't want I her. You can set your expectations a little no, higher. No, no, no. I, I don't want her sense of identity to be tethered to her. <laughs> <laughs> she is a very good girl. She's very <laughs> emotionally adjusted. Like <laughs> she is like the ultimate testament to, like I truly believe in just all women communes raising babies because she exists in this house. It's like me and my two housemates. It's just this coven of three women. There's so much femme energy in that house. <laughs> and I just think it's the best. I think that that's the way forward. <laughs> Done. Yeah. All right, Beck, we're moving in. Yeah. <laughs> Everyone needs three mums is what I'm saying. But I did hear that somewhere. It's like, something about everyone has three mums like you've got your biological mum but you also have different kind you've got the mum you turn to for tenderness you have the mum who's like a mentor whatever sometimes these can exist all in the same person but often there's this idea of like distributed mum figures oh that's interesting Mm -hmm. yeah do you have any other any mum figures that aren't your mum either of you that pop to mind I've definitely had a few like I, I worked with an amazing um she started off as a client in Cape Town, Melanie Kylie, incredible woman. Um, and she's she's a friend as well, but I think like she she was an example of, she's a, maybe 15 years older than me, but seeing an example of an older woman living in a way that I hadn't seen anyone modeling living before. And I just found it so, so, yeah, like inspirational and and just seeing it. I think you need to see you need to see a thing existing in the world to know that it's possible. Yeah. And the second you've seen it, you're like, oh yeah, that's cool. That's fine. I can just yeah. make those choices. It's not that hard. Do you have any back? Uh, I, I not that not that comes to mind. No. Not not that comes to mind. But I I have always had like quite a close knit circle of women around me, but maybe not necessarily ones that I see as mother figures, yeah. I don't think. Do you reckon you might take that role for other people? I reckon you could be a bit uh. of a mother hen type. Yeah, I mean, maybe. I don't know. It's hard to see know. yourself like that, like that maybe. Um, yeah. What about you? Am I a mother hen? No. <laughs> <laughs> I'm the perpetual baby. Um, I don't think that's – I mean, I've seen you with Chi-Chi under one arm and Pickle under one arm like a like a Madonna figure. <laughs> <laughs> that's true. I'm a wonderful mother to my dogs. Um, mother f- – Figures, I'm sure there have been. Um, certainly, I don't know if there's so much like mother figures in terms of there were people I would go to, but I now, um, some people who were like family friends, I get that feeling. So like our neighbour 
who lives like five doors down from my dad. My dad still lives in the house that we grew up in. They still live there. Like I went to primary school with their kids and stuff. Um, Chris and Raj, the name of the couple, they're still really good mates with dad. Chris was really close with my mum and I just like she's cool as shit. She was a fashion designer. She's funny. She's warm and not, um, you know, some people will get awkward about talking about someone who's died, like they don't want to bring it up even this long on. Um, but she's always so ready to talk about mum and stuff. But I get that, like, if I hug her, it feels like the closest yeah. that I would could feel to hugging mm. a mum. Um, and I'm very, have that, like, yeah, I guess, like, very comfortable relationship with her. However, I wouldn't, like, I don't have her phone number. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. I would, it's not that yeah, sort of relationship right. where I'd reach out to her mm. to chat, but it is that sort of maternal feeling when I see her, which is generally only once, maybe twice a year, yeah. Christmas at the park. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, I feel like there probably have been others. I definitely had I had one teacher in primary school who I adored. Who I don't know if she was really certainly like a, like a role model material, mm. maybe not so <laughs> mother-like, but definitely someone I looked up to. Do you remember this? And and I know that you both will, but the very specific shame attached to calling a teacher mum. Yes. <laughs> yes. Oh, yeah. God. And it comes out of your mouth and you try to catch it. You just try to catch it as soon as it comes out and you're like, no. It's my you turn. think about it now and it must be so cute. Yeah. But in the moment, it is such a specific kind of shame. Like I'm going to take myself out behind the classroom and just end it now. <laughs> Everyone does it, but there's still like... Maybe it's because everyone does it that the the like brutal level of teasing has to be so high because you're like, ha-ha, your turn now. <laughs> yeah, 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 it's yeah. not me today. Yeah, that's yeah. exactly it. <laughs> everyone just being like, the not idiot. me, not me. <laughs> <laughs> oh, did you ever have any kids at your school whose parents were actually a teacher at the school? Oh, we had one. There was There was a girl a few years above me whose dad was the school counsellor. Oh, that's rough. It was mm. rough also because I went to an all-girls school and there were like two male teachers, one of which was the fucking counsellor, which is crazy. That was a that was a bad, that I mean, he was like a, a lovely man, strategy. but like, yeah. Yeah, it was, that was just nuts. So yeah, we also had to call all our teachers madam, which was oh, wow. a bit helpful because if you well, said mum, you <laughs> 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 it was this very, um, it, it's like that classic thing of um, in countries that are colonized, performances of the colonial thing is way more intensified than it would be. So for example, it was a very British school in Johannesburg, South Africa, performing what they think Britishness is. Oh, Do you know oh, what I mean? So it's yeah. like it's almost more, you are more likely to have a crustless cucumber sandwich there than you would in England because you're in Africa like doing this weird like we're British thing. Oh, that's so Does interesting. That, yeah. yeah, yeah. And I think the madam was part of that. They were very big on tradition. Madam. What did you call the male teachers? Oh, sir? So, yeah. yeah. I mean, it wasn't much of a problem. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I guess it didn't come up all that often. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it was cool. It was an amazing school, but it is such a, it's a very, uh, with hindsight and with perspective, obviously super problematic on so many levels, but mm. like this very strange thing happening in the middle of 
of like Johannesburg, South Africa. Yeah. Like what is this? That is fascinating. There seems to be more and more a trend towards kids calling teachers by their first names. Do your kids call their teachers? There's a couple at the school, yeah. Yeah. Um, There's a couple and some some of that I think there were siblings that worked both as teachers so they couldn't both be the same Oh, yeah. Makes sense. Um, Two sisters and so one went by her first name. but they still put the miss in front, so even when they do, so it's, oh, it's miss, like miss Sarah miss or, or miss Beck. Beck. Yeah, yeah, okay. Um, and it, I don't know what there's been. I don't know what the reason is. I think it's just personal choice, I suppose, from the teachers about what they want to be called. Mm. School hasn't put out some explicit comms outlining their uh, naming <laughs> strategy yeah. or convention. Yeah. <laughs> but well, I guess it's like you sort of have to because if one person, like if you were to call yourself. Miss Edie, and then I was to call myself Jessamine without the, like mm. that, mm. there then feels like there's a difference in status or something. Like it feels like you need to have that be the same. Mm. Do you, either of you in your workplace, call anyone Mr. or Mrs. or Ms. something? It's all first name. No, yeah. I don't. There, some of the clients that I work for, um, particularly, so I've been very lucky to do a whole lot of work um, in the Pacific Islands and they're very formal with their language. So it's always Mr. blah, blah, blah. But then it's, it's such an interesting place, right? Because in some ways, they're incredibly conservative and formal, you know, and lots of ceremony and, and using proper um, names and titles and stuff for people. But then they'll also like, refer to each other by their nicknames and, like, go to, like, the oh. Attorney General's house to, like, get drunk till 2 a.m. Like, it's not, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, yeah. it's, it's a really, and obviously, as they're known for, and it's 100% true, just, like, so incredibly, like, warm and loving and hospitable, like, that is synonymous with Pacific Island culture. And mm. in my experience, it is absolutely true like I've never felt more like loved and accepted by a group of people in my life but then yeah this this balance of this like extreme sort of formality with extreme familiarity yeah it's really interesting wow that's such an unexpected mix Yeah. yeah yeah it's really weird and then you've also got in like particularly in um in uh, government, you know, people it's not so much Mr. and Mrs., but they'll call it like they have to call each other Minister. Minister, and stuff, oh, yeah. Which I mm. think is a bit gross. Or honourable, honourable yes. something. Oh, that's the worst when you're doing graphic recording work and you have to use like the honourable blah, 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 <laughs> or working in universities yeah, where it's like vice chancellor, <laughs> deputy. You're like, can we just call her Mary? Yeah. Like, everyone knows. I'm like, oh, God, I don't know how to spell honourable. <laughs> now that it's half the oh, population, uh, that's why it's just H-O-N. Like, yeah, yeah. abbreviation, yeah. Yeah, dep on. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it's a weird. So there, there's quite a few of my friends. Like you would probably do this, Beck, if you were to see them. Call my dad, Mister G, still, which is really? not not a formality thing. It's just because they. So when we were teenagers, I'd say it was it was more, more common than not to call each other's parents Mister and Mrs. Blah Blah. Like I think I would have called your. I definitely would have called your mum by her first name. Yeah. Can't remember ever saying Mrs. Smith, but Yeah. Um, yeah. Well maybe maybe a bit of a mix. I'm just trying to think, I don't know, like Charlotte's dad was definitely always Mr. Wood. I feel like he'd 
fucking punch you in the face. <laughs> 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 it was wow. a very, very funny but very scary man. Yeah. <laughs> Not in any sort of like violent yeah, or mean yeah, way. He was just, just like <laughs> such a he was such a presence, and because he was so funny. You were never quite sure if he was making a joke or not. So yeah. you're like, ah, <laughs> <laughs> are we joking? What's happening? Is right this going now? well? Yeah. <laughs> the answer was probably no. <laughs> we we have a friend who she's French and we visited her parents while we were in France halfway through the year. And her dad was just the most welcoming, hospitable, just incredible host. And he introduced himself and was then called by everyone. And there was like we were a group of 20, Papa Moustache. <laughs> it, it was just the best. We were just like a group of like, hey, Papa Moustache, thanks for having us. Like, oh, that's yeah. so sweet. <laughs> so lovely. It was so, and it just, he was the warmest, like always smiling. And I, I love that. I'm like, I want to grow, I want to grow old like that. Just be like yeah. the cool, old, like older parents hosting your child and their friends as adults yeah. and just that warm kind of energy. Yeah. That's so nice. So good. <laughs> but yeah, I think, you know, in saying that some of my friends I'm sure would st- still call my dad Mr. G if they would see him is not because they're like, oh, but he's a very formal person <laughs> because he is the silliest of billies. But um, just because he was very, he used to drive everyone to and from parties. Like he was very he much did. around and, and knew my friends. Mm. So just because of the frequency in which they would see him, at an age where you would still be likely to call yes. parents Mr. or Mrs. Blah Blah, that is now his name to them. It's like an affectionate, it's a exactly. term of endearment. It's like uncle, rather than, yeah, you know, yeah, it's exactly. more of that sort of a thing rather yeah. than a, a formal thing. And he loves it, again, not because of anything to do with the formality of it because to him it's a symbol of how long he's known these people mm. for and it reminds yeah. him of the fact that, like my friend Kat, who I've known since I was 13 and still very good friends, she lives around the corner, still see her all the time, she will always greet my dad by saying Mr G and you just see him fucking beam from Aww. ear to ear because it's just, and he loves her as well. He's a very lovable person. Um, but, yeah, you can just tell that it's connecting his mm. heart to all of these yeah. memories of us being teenagers and, you know, and that he's known her for that amount of time. Mm. It's really sweet. I was remembering, I was recounting the other day because we've just had New Year's Eve and I was talking about, um, I was telling the kids about Y2K and the Y2K bug and and I was telling them about for that New Year's that we were in the city. Do you remember that? At the Duxton Hotel, which yes. doesn't exist anymore. We, <laughs> and we're about to find out yeah. why. Like, <laughs> it was actually a beautiful, it was a beautiful place but I think it's just that like when, when I think of your dad and how much he did for us and looked after us at that age. So Jessamy's dad... And I don't know, this is my my version of the truth. I don't know. <clears throat> we'll compare. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But he he booked a hotel in the city for the, the New Year's Eve that ticked us over from 99 to 2000. So that I just remember the city was absolutely heaving and we would have been, what were we, 15 at the time? Yeah. Um, and we we stayed in the city and I can't, who else was or with 14, us? 14 I would have been. There was four of us. James... Yes, my who, boyfriend at the was, time. Yeah, you know um, James. We'll go into this. It's going to be very boring for everyone else. <laughs> Let's list. <laughs> um, and he like, and he booked this hotel room for us, and he stayed there while we kind of went out. 
and then had, we had to be back at a certain time. But basically, he was our our rock and our solid and our home base for this incredibly hectic but amazing time to be in the city for New Year's Eve. Yeah, and I just like you you look back at those things, and in the moment, you're like, yeah, this is fucking awesome, but you don't really appreciate what he has done in that moment yeah. for us and giving yeah. us this incredible memory and experience that we otherwise wouldn't have been able to do without him kind of being that like solid rock for us, that home base and the safe place. Like it was, it was amazing. Cool. Yeah, it's a really cool, generous thing to do. And I think because Dad's a super nerd, like he like <laughs> he loved it. Like they're the, like, oh, they're like this is a big deal, YGK, it's a big thing. And yeah. he wanted to make it special and wanted to make it something that we would remember. Mum was around at this time too, I must say. Mum was very much involved in this plan too. So they, yeah, that's pretty much exactly what happened. They got a hotel room in the city but, you know, you get the rooms that are adjoining. So there was a door between the rooms so they could still, you know, they were there. They could come in if they needed to if something was wrong or whatever but also we had some amount of privacy. Um, And, yeah, I think there was – and. Did my sister have friends there that year too? Because we did it a couple of years. I think I don't know. I would love so to hazy. say I have a really clear memory of it, but yeah. I, it's like this speckled. I'm pretty like, sure it was both of us, and maybe maybe there was a, a maybe there was a third room. I don't know. Mm. Memory is not <laughs> great. Um, yeah, and a, and a few friends. Oh, it was with it was Nicole. This is so boring, baby. We'll do this later. <laughs> I have photos. I have photos in the cupboard. I'm going to get them out. I'm going to get them out. Anyway, yes, there was a small group of us and there was just sort of like, okay, you have to like you can go out and like be around the city and just have to be back by like one mm. thirty or something like that. Um, but then uh, you know, we were just like, and this is back in the days of smoking inside, <laughs> just like sitting in the mm. stairwell of the hotel, smoking cigarettes Ciggies, and drinking yeah. lemon ruskies. <laughs> yeah, and I know that because I've got photos of it. <laughs> <laughs> God, that would have been cool. <laughs> it was so cool. And like, yeah, okay, that's like a little bit naughty as a teenager, but it's that it's the right kind of yeah. naughty. It's yeah. the safe it's naughty. It's low where, stakes naughty. Exactly. Yeah. And yeah. I think that's the sort of parenting that is great. We like you give enough rope for yeah. kids to be able to do that. Yeah, low stakes naughtiness that you desperately want to do as mm. a teenager, but also you're just around the corner. You know exactly what they're yeah. doing. You're there if anything actually really was to go wrong. Yeah, um, and it kind of didn't because you're getting your you're getting your hit of naughtiness. Yeah. You've got an outlet for that energy. Mm. Yeah, without having to go and I don't know break into cars or <laughs> I don't know what <laughs> we did that on the next weekend yeah. <laughs> we don't have those sort no. of skills no, <laughs> definitely not I've but already yeah. declared I'm not the sporty or coordinated person. <laughs> like we're, not, we're not running away from criminals no. Um, no but that's the like when I think of your dad I think it's that parenting that creates the magic for other people like it's yeah. it's knowing enough that we didn't know it at the time, but, like, you know, he would have known that by doing this he's creating this magic experience for us that becomes one of those, like, formidable memories or times where you had that real first taste of, holy shit, we've got all this freedom, we're in the city. It wasn't that much freedom. It was safe. It was, you know, very well organised, but it's like he's created that magic to allow us to have that. Like that. that's the kind of parenting I remember of your dad, like that. 
those experiences, you know. And your mum, she created some magic focaccias. So just yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so because, as previously what mentioned, is, what is that I word? am perpetual baby. My mum made my lunch for me right up until year 12 mm. and she was an amazing cook, preparer of food, wonderful person. So I, having these amazing focaccias that have like sun-dried tomatoes oh, and beautiful stuff, were used amazing. to auction them off <laughs> <laughs> to get money to buy cigarettes. <laughs> yeah, you did. <laughs> I like to think I was very industrious. <laughs> You're like, so I'm developing my business skills. <laughs> Communication, oh sales, focaccias. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, I, mm. I didn't understand that word when you said it because it was so out of context. Oh, yeah. <laughs> For me, like my framework of like school and my framework of focaccia, there's never been an focaccias. overlap. Yeah. <laughs> I know. I was very, I was very lucky. Wow. With my amazing, <laughs> fancy. You're like, I'll sell my focaccia, but I'm keeping my sushi. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Would have been a whole <laughs> other level. Yeah, <laughs> we. I had a friend whose mum. This was quite extra. Um, her mum would cut the grapes and half. This is while she was very young. Cut Whoa. the grapes oh, in okay. half. I was thinking high school. I was like, hang on a minute. <laughs> <laughs> and manually de-seed them. Fuck. Oh, it was off. wild. Yeah. It was wild. Where can I find that sort of assistance? <laughs> no, I'm like, the service here sucks compared to that. <laughs> here is in Just life. in my life, yeah. yeah. <laughs> in adulthood, no one is prepared to do that. Wow, that's yeah. wild. It's crazy the stuff you remember from other kids' lunchboxes. Like in South Africa as well, biltong is the highest currency lunchbox food. And you always know, like the rich kids who get biltong and then it's lunchtime and you're like... Hey, Stacey. <laughs> <laughs> hey. I'm going to finish that. Yeah. <laughs> you know what's so fun? I think the grass is always greener too because I was always so jealous of kids who had like chips or like it was a, I don't know if you did this in South Africa, but it was a very big thing to have uncooked two-minute noodles as oh a snack. Oh, my God, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. So all like I was like, this is what I want to be eating, not this like delicious focaccia and fruit <laughs> like a fucking idiot. <laughs> but you know, like, and you don't have the obviously like the mental capacity to understand the difference between the two and and mm. the you know yeah exactly health things or money things that come into it and all of those sort of intersections that cause those differences. All you know is you want the fucking cocoa pops and yeah. Nutella sandwich. <laughs> yeah. You know, what were your what was your Oh, I, standard I, I used to, I, I had to make it myself and then just incredibly lazy. So I used to just bring plain slices of bread. Um, and then I used to, I, I look back now, I think, what was I doing? I used to squish up the plain white bread into like a dough ball effectively. Ooh. And then yeah, it's mm, very gourmet. Just blend why I wanted the focaccia. Lubricated with the sweat of your <laughs> exactly. little hands. It's a deconstructed sandwich <laughs> yeah. actually, Alice. <laughs> But it was that or or like just a Vegemite sandwich. I was very basic. Oh, that's so classic. I love just, that. Yeah, just very basic Vegemite <laughs> sandwich. That was, that was about it. And, yeah, there may be some two-minute noodles. I think that was, yeah. I uh, see a peanut butter sandwiches and just immediately give them to the boarders because the boarders would eat anything. Do you imagine like over a fence throwing like, like feeding ducks? <laughs> Why? <laughs> They definitely got food. They were fine. <laughs> 
oh well all right so on sandwiches <laughs> let's go eat some sandwiches bye <laughs> hey thank Beck, thanks so much for doing this I know um this is a little bit of a different thing but I'm so I'm so glad that we did it and I hope yeah. everyone's enjoyed listening to a bit of a silly trip down memory lane I know I've really Loved it. And, hey, if you've got an old friend that you've been thinking of and wondering what they're up to, hey, fucking reach out because you never know. You might fall in love all over again. That's such a a beautiful little challenge. Yeah, anyone who's listened, just think of someone that you haven't chatted to in a while and send a text and just check in because um, friends are the best. Yeah, that's so nice. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Pleasure. Love you, Beck. Love you, Alice. Love you. Bye. 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 Dan said we you're not allowed to do that anymore. Thing. Dan, you're not the boss of me. He is the boss of me. Thank you for listening to the Imposter Syndrome Club. Please follow us wherever you find your podcasts. And if you're feeling extra kind, rates and review. Or if you got any insights or value from this, share with a friend. You can also find us on Instagram at ImpostorPod or online at ImpostorSyndromeClub.com.